apply for my provisional driving license, not knowing I had this eye condition. I just thought everyone's eyes were like mine. Um, I've, I've got no, I had no peripheral vision. My eyes were shit in the dark. Um, but I just thought, no, maybe you know, maybe my eyes just aren't that great. I didn't know I had like yeah. a real problem. And I got this form from the post office, and my next appointment, five minutes later, was at the opticians just for what I thought was a standard checkup. And I went in, and the optician saw my form. I remember it so vividly. His name was Mr. Cohen. Um, and he said, oh, uh, I don't know if you'll be able to fill that in. You should maybe speak to your parents before you do. He said, you've got this condition called retinitis pigmentosa. And I was like, I, and I said, I haven't. I've never heard of it. Have you ever been told something, but you should fight yourself? Fuck it. I'm not going to let it stop me. Hello, my name is <laughs> Ashley Simcock from the Game Changing Podcast. And I'm, I'm always delighted to be joined by the one and only Ross Grant from Act On This Podcast. Hello, Ross. All right, Ash. Maybe there is another Ross Grant out there. And if there is, I'd like to I'd like to know how many of you there are. Act On This. And, well, yeah, I'm on the one, the one from Act On This. But sometimes I Google myself and a counsellor from down south is also called Ross Grant. And he pops up and steals my limelight sometimes. Right, we don't want anyone in that. Yes, and you also sound like Alan Pratchett, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, oh so, smell my cheese, you mother. Um, and we're here just to set the scene. We're near Christmas markets in Albert. Albert Square in Manchester, we're having a few drinks. It's an act on this Christmas party. And I'm joined also by um, Jake Wilson. Oh, He's hello. Oh, Get, I'm here, here, I'm in here. Get on mine. Hang on. Here we go. Hello. <laughs> there's, there's Jake and also um, uh, Jack, Jack, Jack's here as well. Yes, yes, yes. I'm here to talk about um, the game changing moment for Mr. Ross Grant of Game Act on this. Um, so, just a bit of background, um, we both got the same condition called retinitis pigmentosa and that's how we connected via social media. So I'd like to talk to you about that and how it affects you and just tell it briefly about what condition is and how it all started for you, Ross. How it all started, right, okay. Um, so RP, retinitis pigmentosa, is a degenerative retinal condition. It's genetic, it's hereditary. I got it off my mum, she got it off her dad. Her dad was one off. I think six or eight kids, and he was the only one who got it. He's an unlucky sod who just got inherited the gene. Um, so I've got it, my brother's got it, my mum's got it, my niece's got it, my nephew's got it. Um, and slowly over your lifetime, it basically robs you of your vision. Sounds uh, awful. It's not great, is it, Ash? But it's something that you kind of learn to use to your advantage, if anything. Otherwise, um, you just end up focusing on you know what it's robbing you of as opposed to kind of the stuff it can give you for me and um, i'll tell you about like when i first found out about it but for me these days it's probably the number one thing that helps me suffocate all of my excuses for doing shit now whilst i can as opposed to waiting dwelling on it you know maybe getting to a chance in my life where my eyesight goes and i go all that stuff i could have done i never did and that i think regret is probably the biggest poison in people's lives and i don't want to get to 60 when my mom lost her eyesight almost completely when I get to 60, 70 and go, right, all those stuff, those things I could have done when I was in my 30s and 40s, I never did because I allowed fear to dictate itself, you know, as like, why, you know, I think practicality, fear often disguises itself as practicality. So you're really afraid to do something, but you'll justify it as it's not practical. It's not the right time for me to do this. I don't have enough money to do this. I'll do it next year. Yeah, you procrastinate. And really, you're just, you know, you're just afraid. So, Having RP is a thing that really suffocates that for me and, you know, crushes the fear. And, I, and that is that moment where you said before, you know, the, those fuck it moments where you're like, you know what, I might as well do it. 
because it might be an opportunity, well, a time in the future where I don't have this opportunity or I can't, you know, I can't take it up. Um, so the game changing moment for me, if yeah, you want to talk I'd about. Like to wrap up. So as it's a game changing um, <laughs> podcast, but briefly, I, I think we skipped over it a little bit. I just like to take a listen to what act on this podcast is because I might be curious about what that is. Oh, right. If there's any actors listening, don't know many people are in your audience who are actors. No. I set up a, I'm an actor myself, I set up a website in 2011. Um, can't believe it's getting on for like nine years old now, where I, I sit down basically on a weekly basis and do this pretty much. I sit down, I interview for a podcast or a video, um, a famous actor, an agent, a writer, a casting director, a producer, and we ultimately reverse engineer their success. So I bring people on who have interesting stories or have achieved some great things that other people would like to achieve in the industry. We reverse engineer how they've done that in a practical way so that the people listening can go out and hopefully can emulate that or at least, you know, take some inspiration from it and yeah. go and act on it. That's why it's called Act On This. Yeah. There's no point in listening pa- listening passively and not doing anything about it. Yeah. Um, so if there's any actors listening to this, we'll give all the contact details and to subscribe to the Act On This podcast and get, make sure you get in front of it and make sure you get in the right place. But act On This TV. Act On This TV, there we go. So, I'd like to draw your attention back to your game-changing moment as it's a game-changing podcast what, what would you say that it was for you it was the moment i got diagnosed with this so it's what we said before so i'd actually gone to the post office to pick up a form to apply for my provisional driving license not knowing i had this eye condition i just thought everyone's eyes were like mine um i've, I've got no pride no peripheral vision my eyes were shit in the dark um but i just thought no maybe you know maybe my eyes just aren't that great i didn't know i had like yeah. a real problem and I got this form from the post office and my next appointment, five minutes later, was at the opticians just for what I thought was a standard checkup. And I went in and the optician saw my form. I remember it so vividly, his name was Mr. Cohen. Um, and he said, oh, uh, I don't know if you'll be able to fill that in. You should maybe speak to your parents before you do. He said, you've got this condition called retinitis pigmentosa. And I was like, I ha-. and I said, I haven't. I've never heard of it, mate. I said, honestly, I haven't got it. He said, no, you have. I mean, honestly, not being funny, I haven't got that. It's such a strange name. I'd have heard of it by now. And he said, listen, like, you have. Um, go and talk to your parents about it. And we just did the eye exam like normal. Yeah. And I went out a little bit confused, but I went home. I didn't talk to my mom. I actually, um, I Googled it first. I went, I'm going to go on Google. This is back when we had like... Ten di- years ago, right? Maybe we had like, di- I think it was a dial-up modem. <laughs> you know, it goes like... <laughs> and you get it on, on Yahoo. Back on Google. Titan retinitis pigmentosa, and the first thing that came up, the first results of the leading cause, the leading cause of blindness in the developing world. And I just thought, holy fuck, what is this? And I went and talked to my mom. She had a little bit of a meltdown because back in the day, and they don't do this these days, but back in the day, consultants at the eye hospital told parents not to tell their kids they had this condition because it might limit them, it might generate fear, they might not take risks. And I look, I look back and go, holy shit, you should have told me because the amount of times I walked out in the road. And nearly got hit by a car <laughs> because I had no clue that I, uh, you know, I couldn't see the traffic. Um, I just, uh, I did take risks though, and uh, I didn't die, so that's all right. Um, and so I was. How did that change again for you when you got diagnosed? Initially, I went into denial, and um, I didn't want to know about it, and I was fear took over. And I was like, shit, is there any point in me creating anything? I wanted, I knew I wanted to be an actor even at that point, and I was like, will I be able to do this? Is there any point in doing it? Because what if I build this great career and one day? It's taken away from me because I can't see anymore. And how difficult is that, is that going to be? 
um, all kinds of things go through your mind. Um, you catastrophize, you fortune tell into the future of a time where everything is shit and goes wrong. And then one day comes along where you go, I've had enough of my own bullshit and time is going to pass anyway. I might as well try. There's that famous quote by Jim Carrey and it? it says, you know, you can fail at what you don't want to do. You might as well fail trying to do the thing you do. Um, and it was from that day onwards where I thought, you know what, like, if anything, I'm going to use this. I have to use this as fuel. I have to make a paradigm shift in my mindset and belief around this to well, use you, this to move forward. How, how do you think it would change if you didn't get diagnosed at that, um, that, at that point? Do you think you were like where you would be now? I'd like to think, and I'm not going to bullshit you, like I say, I don't want to be like all, you know, I'm not just going to make stuff up to be inspirational. I think I was gifted very early on with two great parents who, in very different ways, taught me always to believe in myself, you know, to make the right decisions. And that my mum, like, you know, I remember very specifically, she said to me, you'll always be all right if you can look yourself in the mirror and say I'm a good person. So I was kind of like gifted with this, you know, great way to look at the world, you know, almost like within my DNA. So I think I would have always been all right and I think I'd always achieve. But this definitely reminds me, I don't know what you're like with it, but I'm aware, you must be aware, I'm aware I have this every second of the day. Yeah. Like even now, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, am I, you know, like I know Jack's to the, to the left of me, but I can't see him when, he, when he's here. I can't see you when I'm here. I can see just a bit of my cup here. And I'm like, and I'm aware to not knock him, not knock his drink, not be in the way of people. When I'm walking down the road, I'm aware of going, is there a curb I'm going to fall over? Where are the cars? Where are the other people? Like you cannot like spend a second of your life barely with this, not being aware you have it. So it's a constant reminder for me, not in a bad way, but like to be more careful. Well, no, to kind of like, well, to, to, yeah, well, to, to be careful. But in terms of like ambition in life, it's always there to go. Don't forget you've got this. So on those days where you're afraid to do things and fear does still crop up in your life, of course it does because you're human. But you're like, well, actually, you know what? Like, I might as well just do this because I don't want that regret. I'm, you know, I think everybody, a mentor of mine says, you know, everyone should go and spend time in a nursing home because it's only when you, and I've only seen it in maybe one or two people's eyes in my life, real regret at the end of their life where they're like, there was things I wanted to do and I allowed fear to stop me or I allowed opinions of other people and what they would think of me or judgment to stop me doing things. And having a condition like this, in a way, like really suffocates all of that shit. It's not going to kill me, always going to be around, but you've got to be realistic and go, there will be a time where, unless there's a cure for this, the, you know, our ability is going to be limited. Yeah. I think what I, I me because I don't really, before I had got diagnosed, I had a few too many drinks and pubs. Oh, right. But now since I've been diagnosed and more aware of it, I can't afford to get drunk because otherwise it'll, yeah, it'll be twofold. I'll have this condition, I'll be, and I'll be drunk at the same time. Well, I'm drinking a more wine as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me drink not too much. Yeah. It makes yeah, yeah. me not, not so I, I always assume back of it I need to be aware of my surroundings all the time. Yeah. So I'm sure you can better make with that. Definitely. It's, um, but yeah, I just think on, on a whole, it just, um, there's certain days where it can really fuck you off as well. You know, I'm not invincible. But on, on a whole, yeah, it's like, the driving force behind a lot of the decisions I make to go, you know, I'm afraid of going out and, you know, shooting this film or, you know, applying for that thing because um, I was just uh, just telling Jay before I was at a, a really, I had a really big opportunity a couple of months ago um, in a Warner Brothers series um, in the States and I flew over to Toronto. I was down to the last two for a really big job 
and that pushed me so far out of my comfort zone going right I'm going to go I'm going to you know I'm going to go into I'm going to get on a plane to Canada on my own I, I had to tell they were really good the production company had told the staff on the plane that I was visually impaired so actually they made it really really easy but just that kind of you know slight anxiety before you have to make a trip of thousands of miles on your own as a visually impaired person you know there is a bit of a fear there but again you're like you know what what a great opportunity and there might come a day where i really can't do this so just fuck the fear and do it do it anyway just fuck it as we say in the start and i think from my point of view uh, doing this podcast i was i had the fear inside you know will i be any good will, will i ask the right questions will, can i work the podcast equipment but now i've done like a few episodes and it's like i'm really enjoying it it's that initial fear of like are you worthy it's, are you it's starting as well so many people will be listening to this and they'll, and they'll have something in their heads that they want to do and they won't start because they feel it has to be perfect or they want to put content out on social media they want to make videos they want to do a podcast themselves and again that fear will dress itself up as practicality and they'll say i'd like to do that but you know I've got to research the microphone. I've got to get the right camera. Oh, I've got to get the right lighting and sort the lighting out. And I can't put this video out on YouTube until, you know, I've got it all perfect. And they never do anything. And, like, my thing is, like, as long as your content carries an interesting message and is valuable, you know, and valuable can be many different things. It can make, you know, it could be making people laugh. It could be educating people. It could be motivating people. It could be inspiring people. As long as there's value in it, no one really gives a fuck about the production values. Like, And you can always tweak those once you've started so do your first yeah the first podcast i did for, for acts on this i did it on the phone i recorded a phone call i didn't, I didn't go i've got other microphones jake's going mid podcast i've got i've got i've got a train to catch i'm sorry right well take care mate and um, have a great christmas we'll see you in the new year um, so just start yeah start is the hardest thing and that's the thing that that where you know people will really just be afraid of people's judgment what if i put something out and they think i'm shit what if I put something out and, you know, just people don't like it? And trust me, for someone to listen to your thing or watch your thing online and then leave a negative comment, you know, don't, don't like, be offended by that. Just feel sorry for that person. For someone to actually take the time to do that and then leave, you know, some some bile or, you know, on your thing, you know, Johnny Smart Pants 65 saying, oh, Ash, your podcast shit. Um, those people need more love than any of the people who leave you a good comment, mate. Like, don't let that fear of judgment stop you from doing stuff. What's that, Connie? Yes, sorry, uh, I just saying goodbye. So, um, yeah, I can totally resonate with that. And I think the whole idea of me... Um, so, did you just like to jump on, buddy? I thought I was just listening. Yeah, this is... FC Compton in the house. Compton yeah, so but just to try about a story because I, I I'm gonna be honest with you, I, I saw your act on this podcast and that gave me the like the push over the edge to be honest because I've been thinking about doing podcasts and that came into my life through LinkedIn about let's get RP, I'm thinking about doing let's just do it. Do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, uh, and like totally thank you, like for, appreciate the, the support. It's good to the, see you taking action, mate. It's, it's all about taking action, but it's taking that, that first fucking step and yeah. Um so you're obviously an actor, and would you like to talk about that? About that? And what do you want? What? How long have you got? <laughs> um, a quick snippet of like what, what you've been in. And I've well, I'm not here just to to, to to blow my own trumpet. I mean, I've done like you know, I'm certainly no no household name. I've worked um, on some good stuff. So I just did a show called Years and Years, BBC One, earlier this year. Played a guy called Billy Fitz, and that was written by Russell T Davis. Really great show about. Kind of like where the world's going and uh, politics and how like 
you know, uh, we're becoming less tolerant as a society, I think. So that was a really interesting, uh, interesting show. Just did a thing for Netflix called The Stranger that's out in 2020. That stars Hannah John Kamen. She played um, the ghost in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp in the Marvel film. Uh, she's good. It's got Richard Armitage in it as well. It's got a great cast and really good people in it. Really interesting story. Um, and I'm the voice of a one of the most fun projects I've done recently is this thing for CBeebies. If anyone's listening and they've got kids, two to six, please tune in to Tinpo. T-I-N-P-O. It's like a futuristic Bob the Builder. And I play Timpo. I'm the voice of that. I did it with um, a great cast. Other people in it are like um, a girl called Lizzie Waterworth. Yeah, she's got uh, two year old screaming at that. Yeah, well, she's Horrid Henry, so she's in it. Um, Keith Wickham's in it. He's the fat controller at Assam Tank. Tank. Um, wow. Joanna Ruse is in it. She plays loads of other kids' characters. So it's got a really great cast. It's funny. It's educational. Um, but it's beautifully animated above anything else. We had the easy job just giving the voices to the characters. The animators have done an incredible job. The sound mix is brilliant. And... Um, Every two to six year old should watch it because then I might get a fourth series of it, and uh, that'd be nice. Yeah. So I always ask at podcasts, right? If you're going to interview yourself, yep. What question would you ask yourself, John? I hear this question on a lot of podcasts, and it's so no, no, hard, it. so hard to answer. I think the the question. Do you know what? Like I, I, I wish more people would talk about happiness on podcasts, and ask people really what it is in their life that makes them truly happy because I think there's a conversation in society that we need to have where we redefine what success is and what happiness is because there's a lot of people who think that they'll be happy when and it is literally you know particularly in business as well when they have made a million pounds that's like the figure we put on everything if you're not a millionaire in society you're a loser you know well they've made it when they've got a million pounds and I do know a few people, not many, a handful of people who have achieved that. And in this industry, I know people who have won Oscars, they've won BAFTAs, they've won all of these accolades that on paper, they should be happy. And they still phone me up and they're really not happy. And I think there's a quote, there's a great quote that says, you know, it's something like, I'm paraphrasing it here, but it's something like, you know, the man who yeah, continues, kind of the man down, yeah. it's like the man who continues to search for happiness will never find it. Let's repeat that back. The it's, man who it's, continues. Yeah, it's something like that. I don't know exactly, but it's like, it's something like the man who continues to search for happiness or woman, not being gender specific, <laughs> the whatever you are who continues to search for happiness will never find it. And I think... It's having conversations on these podcasts. I wish, pe- I wish people would start asking more simple questions on what makes people happy. You know what? For me, some of my happiest times in life are where I'm sat with someone I care about and having a latte. It's as simple as that. It costs three quid. It's not about making thousands of pounds, tens of thousands of pounds, hundreds of thousands of pounds, or millions, right? You know, if you're, you know, if I'm, if someone gave me a million pound right now. I'd wake up tomorrow with all the problems I've got today, but I'd have a million pounds. And some of those I'd be able to solve with that, but I'd never be, you know, right now, Ash, we can't buy a cure for our eyes, mate, yeah. right? So... To be honest, I'd, I'm not sure I'd want a cure, but... I would. Oh, okay. mate, no, I would. Uh, this is a conversation that's, look, that's, a, that's really interesting to ask other people as well. Is I asked, you know, I've asked a lot of other people with disabilities, like, whether they would get rid of it or not. And the general answer all the time, in fact, in 100% of cases has been no. Um, it's made me who I am. I wouldn't swap it for the world. But in a way, I think for people who have got a disability that's already happened, i.e. they were born with, you know, there's people I know who were born with limbs missing or they've got conditions that are like finite. They've got it. It's never going to get worse. That's it. They know where it is. Our disability is happening right now and it's getting worse. It's kind of continuous. So it's not happened. 
we're living with it, but then you're also living with added adversity along the way. Someone said to me, you, you've got this eye condition and, you, and your eyes are going to stay like this forever. I'd be well happy with that because I know what I was dealing with. Yeah. I'm dealing, though, with an unknown quantity. I don't know how bad they're going to be or when I'm going to lose my sight completely. So if you could wave a magic wand, I'm not going to be some inspirational fucking hypocrite and go, oh, no, it's made me who I am. No, fuck that. Get rid of it. Take it away. If you give me 2020 vision, I can have such more impact in this world because I've got the perspective I've got through having this. But if you could give me that eyesight so I know I've got that for the next 60 years of my life, I'd let you wave that one any day. I'm never going to go, no, no, I don't, you know, I'm happy with this. It's not, you know, I've, I've accepted it, I'm using it to the best of my ability. But if there was a cure and that cure cost me my acting career and every penny I had, I'd give it all. And then I would make that back. If they said you can't act again, but I'll give you your eyesight, I would be successful in a different industry. I'd give anything I have, bar my family and the people I love. I think, I think where that I stand with it, uh, as we've got the same condition, I, I, I just feel it's opened doors to me and it's, it's helped me impact other people's vision impairments. And if That's if great, yeah, yeah. And if it didn't have any, if it didn't have this, it's better one yeah, to have that impact. And, yeah, to, but hopefully you'd have an impact on maybe a different subset yeah. of society. You, and, you just make you, messages. Just make it best of whatever you've got. Whatever you've been given in life, just make it best of giving it. Yep. Just take action. So a lot of business owners listen to this. Um, you might be living in fear of taking action. What would be like one piece of advice you would give to them? I'd say make the excitement of doing something and it working louder than the fear of it not. And as simple as that. Simple. And, 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 and it's just a very simple shift in your head that it's the same thing as a Almost like, you know, a doctor saying, take these tablets and, you know, you've got a 50-50 chance of, of, of you being cured. Most people would look at it as going, oh, I only have a 50% chance. You know, they'd focus on the 50% chance of it not working. Yeah. Focus on the 50% chance of it working and allow that excitement to push you forward. That's great. Um, and if you're not taking any inspiration from that, then, yeah, yeah I certainly have. So, um, yeah, it's been great to talk to you today in Christmas markets. If anyone did want to get, um, find you, how would they find you? Uh, you can you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Ross A. Grant, G-R-A-N-T, so at Ross A. Grant. And act on this is at Act on This TV uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, every everywhere. Um, and, yeah, LinkedIn, if you're a business owner, freaking utilize LinkedIn. So underutilized right now. It's an incredible platform, whereas if, you know, with, with brilliant organic reach right now, if – you are completely unknown and you write something on LinkedIn right now, you wake up the next day, 30, 60, 300 people, whoever it will be, you know, may have seen your thing who didn't know you the day before and two of those will be intrigued enough to maybe link in with you. And that's what happened here, mate, in terms of us meeting. Maybe you share this podcast on LinkedIn and comment about how it's affected them, yeah. Share it. And uh, yeah, honestly, but again, you've got to go with that fear of doing it. Tag us in if you do. So, um, Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're wrapping up now. Um, thanks for listening, guys. If you like to, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends and family. Drop me a message if, with any feedback at uh, email address asimcock at btinternet.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Ashley Simcock, and Facebook as well, Ashley Simcock. But from Ashley Simcock, that's goodbye from me. Say goodbye, Ross. Goodbye from me. <laughs> goodbye. Cheers for listening.